Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Jesus, risen and exalted one, Your spirit's like water to my soul. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Hey, let's just stay there for a moment, Cody. You want to? Let's just do that. Just keep going, brother. Jesus, Come on, church. Let's worship this morning. Come on. Jesus, Words are pretty easy here, just saying. Holy and anointed one, Jesus. Yeah, so let's do this, okay? So let's think about, you keep going. So let's think about this, okay? Um, situations and circumstances that you've had to deal with in your life. Maybe situations or circumstances you're having to deal with right now. Anything that has disturbed your spirit. Anything that has caused you anxiety, tension, or turmoil anything dating relationship school finals week for a lot of college students this week uh, things at work things in your family life things in other organizations you're a part of even your team whatever it may be how would things change if you begin to truly speak Jesus into that how would things change if you begin to speak Jesus into that? So that's what we're going to do right now. Let's stand back up. Let's worship some more. Let's just right now, let's just kind of gather everything that just has been junk. All the junk that we've had to deal with. And let's just wad it up right here. Right here. Let's just wad it up right here. And then let's do this. Let's just start speaking and singing Christ over that and into that okay uh, we have a family today who is facing a very 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 serious surgery tomorrow miss little miss Sadie Heath will be having brain surgery tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Uh, very very serious situation she's four years old and so this family we prayed over them in the first service the Hargrove family so we want to continue to pray for them today 
Uh, we have a, a fundraiser after worship today uh, to raise funds for an Arizona mission trip. And, and, I, and we think about fundraisers for a trip. No, it's about taking the gospel to a dark place where people need Christ. That, that's the end of that, okay? Uh, today we're taking up a special offering. We leave the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. 100% of that goes to support international missions. Again, we're not just taking up an offering. We're, we're, we're trying to speak light and grace and peace into a dark situation. Okay, so whatever it is, that you're dealing with, okay? Just kind of bow your head and close your eyes. And it can be anything, absolutely anything, because I know sometimes I deal with stuff, and the last thing I think of is a spiritual solution to a physical or earthly problem. And I'm sitting there going, are you kidding me? They're all spiritual. They all have a spiritual root in them. But how would it change within us if we began to speak Jesus into a situation, how would that affect that situation? It might be an addiction that you have this morning that you're trying to overcome. It could be anything. So let's just stay there for a moment, Cody, and let's just speak Jesus into these things. And at least maybe within us, the change might start happening here. Okay? I'm going to do. I'm going to come and I'm going to pray and I'm going to start praying for things that have been troubling me this weekend. Would anybody come join me? Would anybody covet with me that I'm not going to be a part of the problem. I want God to use my life to be a part of the solution, that which is good, that will glorify Him. So if anybody wants to come join us in prayer, we're going to even do it right now. You don't have to wait to the end of the service. We're going to do that right now. And I'm going to shut up and let Cody sing. Jesus, Jesus, risen and exalted one, Jesus, Jesus, your name is like honey. On my lips, your spirit's like water to my soul. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Jesus, I love you. I love you.
risen and exalted one, Jesus, Jesus. Your name is like honey. On my lips, your spirit's like water to my soul. Your word is a lamp to my feet. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Jesus, I love you. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today because he's good and he's worthy of all of our praise and worship. And we're just so glad that you're here this morning. And even if you are joining us today via our, our live stream, we uh, are reminded every single week that uh, we're, we're talking hundreds of people, hundreds of people uh, are able to see our services and be a part of our worship time uh, through uh, through our live stream. And so just a special good morning and hello to folks who might be watching us at home today or even traveling. It, it actually blows my mind, the people I run into who'll say, hey, I, I saw your service the other day. I heard the message and, and what an encouraging thing and opportunity we have uh, to get the word out uh, via our live stream. So we're just so glad that everybody's joining us today. And, and if you are watching this morning, uh, come by and see us sometime. We'd love to uh, have you here in our, our midst and our presence and, and just be encouraged. We're encouraged by what you've shared with us and, and that you're watching today. But we'd love to have you in service with us some morning. Uh, well, today, um, we're going to continue in this series that's entitled, What Faith Looks Like. And we're actually turning to the book of James today. We, we have, we've referenced James. Uh, we've talked about James as, as being uh, that other place in Scripture where you find somewhat of a list of people of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 is where we've been the last several weeks. And we've looked at folks who are there. And we may come back to that next week and then probably end up with looking uh, at how faith moved Mary and Joseph to, to get us to where we are today in this Christmas season. So we've been talking about faith and, and James actually mentions two of the people who we talked about uh, last week and, and the week prior. James mentions Abraham. He also mentions Rahab the harlot. And it seems that James is attempting to help us to understand that faith has a very practical and valuable outworking in our lives. Uh, one of the things that's hit me this weekend is how faith uh, moves us to pray. Uh, in fact, the author James 
is believed to be the oldest half-brother of Jesus. Tradition has it that he spent so much time on his knees in prayer that his knees became as callous as the knees of camel of a camel. Now, I've never personally inspected a camel's knee. I really don't know how callous they are, but I bet they're pretty callous because they spend a lot of time on their knees. Camels do. If you don't believe me, go Google it. You'll find a picture of kneeling camels. They do that. So faith moves us, right? It moves us. It has a very practical outworking in our lives. And so from that perspective, faith is something you can see. It's, it's not just something that's in your heart. It's not just a deep-held conviction. It, 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 it can be seen through what we do in our lives. Also, our lack of faith. Our lack of faith. Our lack of faith can be clearly evident to people around us. So the truth of the matter is this. If you have genuine faith, you cannot hide it. And if you don't, you can't hide that either. It's going to come out in some form or fashion. Many people believe that James actually rivaled the Apostle Paul on his teaching of salvation by grace through faith. In fact, the reformer, Martin Luther, uh, he was kind of put off by the book of James. Um, he felt that the book of James should be taken out of the Bible because he felt that James's view of salvation by grace through faith rivaled that of, say, Paul and, and the majority of the teaching that we have uh, in the New Testament text. So today we're going to dive into uh, James chapter 2. And, and hopefully God will just confirm inside of us that faith, uh, true faith, will always show itself through the things that we do in our lives. So let's read James chapter 2. We're going to pick up today in verse 14. And, and I love how he plays this out and how he, he builds his case. It's very fascinating. He says, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Now, what's the use of the definite article in the next verse, verse 15? I'm sorry, at the end of verse 14. Can... What faith? What faith? Can that faith save him? It's best to understand this in the sense of can that kind of faith? Can that kind of faith? The kind of faith that doesn't have works, that doesn't have any manifestation of itself. Can that kind of faith? save him? It's a rhetorical question. We would say no. Then he gives an illustration beginning in verse 15. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled. And yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. 
what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works. I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Then he begins to give the two examples, Abraham, Rahab the harlot, that we see back in Hebrews chapter 11. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. It's going to be so neat when we get to talk about this part. How faith is perfected by works. We're going to talk about that this morning. It's going to be very exciting to see how that plays out. And the scripture was fulfilled which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And we would add back to the previous reference. That faith. That kind of faith. In the same way, was not Rahab the harlot, and, and again, as mentioned last week, you rarely see her mentioned in Scripture that her past is not accompanied with her. It's almost always Rahab the harlot, except in the genealogy of Jesus. And maybe just so we never forget that your past, your past, your past cannot nullify or extinguish or eliminate your future of what God can do through your life when you walk by faith. In the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Father, we, we need an extra measure of your grace today. We need an extra measure of strength of your spirit, of clarity, of wisdom, of understanding. Father, we trust your spirit to be our teacher and our guide this morning. And Father, as we examine the written word, I pray that we'll come to better know the living word, Jesus. So Father, we just continue to speak Jesus in and over every situation of our hearts and our minds and our lives today. And we trust you to do great things in our time together. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, last week we talked about lists and making lists. And there's all kinds of lists this time of year. There's guest lists. There's, there's gift lists. There's food lists. There's all kinds of lists. And last week we talked about what it would take to make a list of, of, of like the people you find in Scripture in, in Hebrews chapter 11 and, and maybe even these two people here in James chapter 2. And, and we see that just having, having great faith, just having great faith can actually cause great things to happen in our lives. Uh, so hopefully this time of year you're thinking about 
list and, and all these lists and stuff like that. And, and when you think about buying gifts for people, I'm really curious to, to know what goes through your mind when you think about buying a gift for somebody. I mean, do you think about, okay, I wonder what they need, I wonder what they want, or what do I want them to have, what do I think they need? Um, do you think about, do you always just think about cost? You know, what's the cost of this, and is it going to fit within my budget? Uh, maybe for some of you, you're like, I, I have the hardest time uh, finding gifts or picking out gifts for people, and I just need people to, just to tell me, just tell me, what, what do you want me to get you for Christmas? But I promise you, there will be a couple of things that you factor into this. Part, some of you are very practical people. And you'll think about the practicality of the gift that you might buy for somebody. How practical is it? Have you ever received a gift at Christmas time and, and it just did not have what you consider to be a practical value? Any of y'all ever got a gift and you thought, what am I going to do with this thing? You know, I think back on the years gone by, and, and if you love fruitcake, great. Good for you. I'm sorry. But anyway, you know, I think about a fruitcake. You know, that's just good for gnawing, right? I don't know. Maybe you make fruitcake. Maybe you make a living on fruitcake. I, go, we'll buy your fruitcake. I don't care. But anyway, you think about fruitcake, you know. Um, what about the member of the Jelly of the Month Club? I mean, that, that, I think that would be very practical, you know, great with biscuits or toast or whatever, right? You think that's a practical thing, right? Uh, you'll think about the practicality of the gift. Of, uh, can it actually be used by the person you're buying it for? But there's something else you'll think about too. You might think about value in terms of maybe what it costs, but also the quality. The quality of the gift that you buy for somebody. You know, years ago, I, I used to pick on Emily uh, about buying phones. And I can remember back in the day, the old rotary phone. You all remember the old rotary phone? My aunt uh, in Coldwater, she still has a rotary phone on her wall. And it's got a lead that I bet's 30 foot long. And how many of y'all would take that old rotary phone and you'd stretch it all the way down the hallway, go into your bedroom and close the door to talk to your boyfriend or girlfriend on the phone? Any of y'all? Come on, let's, you know, how many of y'all did that? You stretched out that old rotary phone and you strung that line out. And some, I know some of you are going, I don't even know what a rotary phone is. They were mounted on the wall, and you'd put your finger in the numbers, and you would dial. I'm just telling some of our kids today, that, that's what a row. Yeah, Wilson's on the front row just going, you got to be kidding me. What in the world? I used to make fun of Emily. No, I didn't. I didn't make fun. I, I never do that. I'd make fun of Emily, and, and when we went wireless, she would buy a cheap wireless phone. And I'd say... Why'd you buy a cheap wireless phone? Because I don't want to spend much money on a phone. Oh, well, don't you know that thing's probably going to tear up and break here in a, you know, maybe six months, a year, and you're probably going to end up buying another one. Well, guess what? That, that, old, that cheap old wireless phone she bought, would, would, it would, you know, die or whatever. And I'd be like, so what are you going to do now? And she'd go buy another one, another cheap phone. And I'd be like, why? You know, every six months a year, and if you just take the money you spent over three years on cheap phones and just buy one good one, then you'd be much better off, you know. Don't, you don't know, think like that. You think about the value. You think about the practicality of it. Well, guess what? When it comes to faith, 
I really think James, in his heart, is thinking about the practical outworking of one's faith. He's thinking about the value of that faith and how it manifests itself in our lives. Now, the great reformer, Martin Luther, as we mentioned earlier, he felt like the heart of James or the book of James was, was uh, in opposition to the teaching of justification by grace through faith. In fact, he suggested that you tear out the book of James and, and you do away with it. It seemed to conflict with our understanding of how someone is made right with God. But I want to be very careful in teaching James chapter 2 to understand that there's, there's two parts of seeing faith. Two parts of seeing faith. The first one is what God sees. It's what God sees. At the moment that you accept Christ into your life, and that moment of faith in your life, and you say yes to Jesus, and maybe you haven't come there yet. Maybe you haven't had a point in time in your life where you have clearly said yes to Christ in your life. Hopefully that will happen for you. Hopefully that will happen sooner than later in your life. But when that moment of faith takes place, God can see your heart. He sees everything about you. He can see inside. He can see if you are sincere. He can see if you are genuine in that moment. God sees that. And for salvation in Christ, what matters is what God sees. It's what God sees. And God knows in that moment what your faith in that moment is generally made up of. And let's be certain, there is one kind of faith, there is one type of faith that James is talking about. Which is what we call true faith. And so when James sets up his argument for, uh, for faith and how faith shows itself by works and what we do, he pretty much starts out by talking about this practical aspect of faith. And he talks about how faith manifests itself and he asked the question, look in verse 14 again, he asked the question, that faith, that faith that you say that you have, can that faith save him? The one who speaks in this hypothetical scenario and the one who simply, uh, when asked, hey, if someone says he has faith but has no works, can that faith? faith can that type of faith save him and James would come back and he would say no why because that type of faith that kind of faith has no value and it has no practical outworking if in fact it does not have something to show for itself can that type of faith save him the answer would be clearly no then here's what he does. He gives an illustration. And I want you to be mindful of the part that God sees of your faith. And I want you to think in terms of what other people see. What do other people see in my life about my faith? So James gives an illustration. And it seems to be that, that here at this point, what James is doing is he's going to help us to understand 
that it does matter what other people see. Because true saving faith, when it manifests itself, it can be clearly seen and evident in our lives. And so he gives the example. Love this. He says, if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. What use is that? We'd come back, we'd say, it, it, it has no use. It has no use. Someone comes, they have a great need. They're destitute. This is a brother or sister in Christ. We also understand from the book of James. James talks about the law of liberty. The New Testament also talks about the law of Christ, which is love. And there is a, there's a huge, huge, huge presupposition that if you truly have Christ in your life, you have the very Spirit of God in your life, and you are going to naturally love one another. That you're going to love your brothers and sisters around you. You're going to have a genuine compassion and care and concern for people. So someone comes to you, they have this great need, and you say, well, yeah. I'm a person of faith, but yet in that moment of having the opportunity to genuinely help somebody out, you say, well, good luck. Hope you have a good day. Uh, peace to you. Be warmed, be filled. But yet you do not do anything to help them. Now, wait a minute. You, you, you said that you were a person of faith. I will never forget this. I didn't share this in the first service, so don't y'all tell them. I'll never forget this. I was driving out of Murray one day, and I was heading to Harden. To, to go to my office in Harden. And I saw this car in the median, pulled off the side of the road in the median, in the middle of the, the four lane there off 641, and they had the hood popped in the car. And I, and I pulled off into the median, and I thought, Man, you know, these folks need help, right? And so I get out of my car, and I walk over there, and this guy has a gallon empty milk jug. And he's standing outside his car, and I'm like, hey, buddy, you okay? And you could clearly see smoke coming out, and his car had overheated. He says, bro, I just need some water for my car. And I was like, I can fix you up, buddy. I'm heading to my office right down the road here. Let me, if you don't care, I'll just take your empty milk jug, and I'll run up the road, and I'll fill it up, and I'll bring it back to you. He's like, I'd really appreciate it. I'm not kidding you. It did not take me 10 minutes to run into Harden, fill up the milk jug. I came back and I started looking for this car. And this car was nowhere to be found. It's like, okay, Lord, what is going on here? I drove back toward Murray looking for this car. Never 
saw the car back toward Murray. I came on back toward Benton, drove down the four lane, never saw this car again, ever. But I had a milk jug full of water in my front seat. And I'm sitting there thinking, Lord, we hear the scripture talk about, you know, sometimes you entertain angels unaware. And, and, and maybe sometimes situations come along and they happen in your life. And sometimes you just wonder, you just wonder, you wonder, you wonder, Lord, is this thing that I'm dealing with in my life, is it a real thing? Or is it a test of my faith? Is it a test of my faith? Because I can say that my faith is tested all the time. But until there's feet on my faith, then my faith's not real. You say, peace, be warmed, be filled, yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. What use is that? Even so, James says, faith. And let's always come back to how he starts the teaching of dissection. Can that faith, that type of faith, even so, that type of faith, that kind of faith, if it has no works, is dead being by itself. But someone may well say, here, here's another example he gives. Again, thinking about what other people see and how faith is demonstrated in our lives. Someone else may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works. And I will show you my faith by my works. If you are shown something, you cannot be shown unless, unless it is something you can actually see. They're going to get ready for lunch today, so I hope you all stick around for that. You cannot ask to be shown something unless it is something you can actually see. You might say to me, hey, Brother Allen, show me a picture of your kids. And I pull out my phone, go to my gallery, and I can show you a picture of my kids. That is something that you can actually see. James is talking about that which you can actually see. Show me your faith without the works I will show you my faith by my works. What I do is testament and evidence of the faith that I say that I have. You believe that God is one you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. And he's just differentiating between belief and what true faith is. Because you can say that you believe something... But it not changed your life. You can say, I believe in God. But yet not have genuine saving faith. You can say, I believe in all kinds of things. But they don't move you. Or that belief doesn't do anything in your life or change your life. 
Even the demons believe and know who God is and who Christ is. They also shudder, but yet they themselves would not have saving faith in Christ. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Then he gives the two examples. He gives Abraham and he gives the example of, hey, of Rahab. He talks about Abraham's offering of Isaac. That faith was working uh, with his works. He talks about Rahab and how she uh, received the messengers and sent them out. But I want you to notice something uh, in this text. It's in verse 22. And I want to show you how this can work in your life today, okay? In verse 22, he says, You see that faith was working with his works and as a result of the works. And he was called... Wait a minute. I think that may not be exactly right the way that I have it in my text. I want you to listen to verse 22. You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, watch this. As a result of the, there you go, of the works, faith was perfected. All right, let me show you how this works. So you have faith. Say, Lord, I have faith in you. God sees your faith. He knows what kind or type of faith that it is. It, if it is the type of faith that moves you in your life, God sees that. And in that moment of faith, God, you're justified and made right with God. So here's what happens. Then you do things in your life because of your faith. So I want you to think about a time in your life or maybe even something that's coming up that you're having to step out on faith. Can you think of a time in your life where you had to step out on faith? For some of you, coming here today might have been a step of faith. A conversation that you had to have with somebody, a step of faith. Deciding not to worry and fret and be anxious, but to take all things to God in prayer. You took a step of faith. You decided that you're going to quit trying of your own and you're going to try, stop trying to fix spiritual problems with physical solutions. And so you said, I'm just not playing that game anymore. I'm not allowing myself to get sucked into that anymore. I'm stepping out of that. And Lord, I'm going to trust you. That's a step of faith. Some of you, the Lord might have said, hey, listen. Listen. There's a mission trip opportunity. I'm going to put it in your heart to go. And you said, I have no idea how I'm going to pay for it. Jerry, you don't know any stories about this, do you, brother? You don't know any stories about this, right? The other night, a guy said to me in our ministry, who years ago went to Brazil. He says, one day I hope to find out who paid for my trip. 
to this day, he has no idea how God provided the finances for his trip. He just said, yes, God provided to this day. He has no idea how it happened. Step of faith. The work followed the faith. But then faith is perfected by the what? Did you see it in the text? Faith is perfected by the work. So here's what happens. You step out on faith. You see what God can do. He proves to you his faithfulness. His trustworthiness. And then guess what grows in your life? Your faith. Faith is perfected. By what you did. Faith propelled you to do. Your doing became like fertilizer to your faith. And your faith grows. And then the next time, the next time, the next time, you got to trust or you got to step out. The faith that is needed is there. Because your faith has been grown by your obedience to what God called you to do. But here's the deal. You will never have the faith that you need then and there to take that step. Unless you have the faith here and now. And that's the issue. Do you have the faith here and now? And if you do, you can't keep it in. You can't contain it. Faith is like a wild animal that can't be caged. It's going to get out. By the things that you do. So I'm sure all of us would love to be, be like, okay, I'm tired of hearing about faith. Or your faith. I'm ready to see. If you really have what you say you've got. So think about a time in your life. Think about maybe even what God is putting in front of you today. Oh, I have faith. What are you going to do about it? How will you meet the challenge? So yesterday morning, three words came to my mind. Over and over and over and over again. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Don't always know how. Or even what that means. But prayer changes things. 
might your faith lead you to start praying for things today?